Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and today I am joined, rejoined by uh, John Metzger and also one of his associates, uh, Lanny Qualide. Um, how are you guys today? Doing great, Brian, thanks. Yeah, absolutely, and Lanny, you're new, you're new to the podcast with me. Where, where are you physically sitting right now? Uh, well, I'm in Fargo, North Dakota, the uh, eastern part of North Dakota. We're in the northern Great Plains and uh, just starting to um, get back to spring, I think. So uh, yeah, good. we're warming up. Yeah, I'm in Denver and it's, we're definitely springtime in the Rockies here. And we're 70% gray uh, here in uh, Indiana, near Indianapolis. Yeah, well... <laughs> the green's coming, John. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, John, you've been on with me before, but why don't you remind the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, your uh, sure. qualifications, career? Yeah, thanks for having me again. Last time we were together, um, I was in a transition from uh, pretty much ground radar work and monitoring to the satellite world. That's a couple of years back. Um, I was consulting for um, SkyGeo um, INSAR aggregator out of the Netherlands and, and San Francisco for a couple of years and we added to their mining portfolio um, through contacts and experience I've had over the years with folks like yourself and, and others and that was going very well and um, towards fall last year I got approached by um, a firm called Astera. They're an Israeli firm doing polarometric SAR uh, with L-band and their business was in detecting leaks um, in water systems, utilities uh, globally for about eight years and they were looking to uh, kind of move horizontally into uh, mining and um, civil works as I call it, DOT support and whatnot. Um, so I started working with them for a while. Uh, that lasted a few months kind of with other SMEs, another colleague of mine, Steve Boron, who we've talked to with or to before, um, considering applications for radar and, and how that uh, meshes with mining opportunities. And now I've come back to uh, what I call asset assurance monitoring, a small consultancy I have and collaborating with uh, folks like Lanny and a number of others uh, across the world um, looking at how to tune, I guess, to fine tune different applications from our shared experience uh, to benefit uh, mining operations. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Sounds, sounds like you've got lots of changes, exciting changes going on. Definitely lots. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll find out more about what direction you've been heading in with your technologies here in just a few 
few minutes. Lenny, why don't you uh, give us a little bit about your background, your qualifications, and that sort of thing? Well, I'm, uh, I guess I'm an old farm kid, and uh, we, uh, I grew up farming in central North Dakota, where I had an active farm going there for close to 20 years of uh, my uh, parents and grandparents. And uh, in the in the mid 90s, uh, we'd gone through agriculture, gone through quite a heavy duty um, uh, economic fallout in 1980s. And in, the, in about the mid 90s, uh, I started to change a career and I loved mapping systems and satellite imagery had been dabbling with it. I'm an airplane pilot. So uh, got an, I said, yeah, I'll build a company, uh, start a new life and build a company uh, doing uh, satellite imagery, which nobody had really kind of heard of back then in 1994. And so uh, I developed a company, took a big leap and started analyzing um, uh, crops for a sugar beet industry and defining, looking at the soils, because really we're looking at vegetation uh, and densities based off of soil characterizations. And um, so even we're talking about mining, uh, now we're working with John on that. We we were looking at soil environments to define how vegetation and, and looking at vegetation, how it reacts to that environment. So we built a whole company, or I built a whole company with lots of people in it uh, called uh, Agri-Images, G-I-S at the end, because nobody could spell that. <laughs> but and and my product was SatShot, which is now what it is. So, 28 years later, uh, we still have the co- I still have the company. I have a very big uh, tech stack to run analysis from the latest satellite imagery from many different sources based on what you want, and uh, we provide solutions for that the agriculture environment. So meeting John here uh, a few years ago, uh, we decided how can we bring what we've learned in agriculture remote sensing and combine that. And we, we've always dabbled a little bit with mines in the past, but nothing um, uh, relatable that actually, you know, we, we didn't go into that business. Um, and really a lot of the same techniques are in place. Uh, we've, we've done um, SAR imagery for flood mapping. We predominantly are optical imagery for, uh, and we use predominantly the Sentinel system. Well, but we've used all sorts of other satellite systems as well and partnered with them as well. So we have a very extensive uh, knowledge of the space industry, the remote sensing industry, the, uh, the technical end of the, the software and we built basically a user interface that allows people to use it uh, right in the field and um, hands-on, not just project-based uh, activity. So, Lenny, give me an example of how you've helped the farming industry with your technology. Uh, well, one of the main things why, why we got involved with it at, as a farmer, uh, and I would my pilot status, I would fly over my own fields and I would say, wow, there's a lot of variability in that field. It isn't just one, we're in the central Great Plains or upper North Great, well, North American Great Plains. And uh, there's hills and valleys and different soil types. And we see the vegetation reacting to that. And so my whole focus was there's variability with these fields that we aren't managing. We're spreading one rate of fertilizer, one rate of seed, one rate of chemical, uh, even one rate of one application of tillage depth. 
And all those should be adjusted according to the different soil types or for the different elevations and how the product grows or crop grows. So uh, our system was basically we take optical satellite imagery looking at the near infrared wavelengths and using NDVI algorithms or other algorithms to define where the good, bad and ugly is in the field. Uh, you're not seeing me or well, you're seeing me on video, but, you know, I, I don't have much hair in my head and I have, uh, you know, side hair and uh, but I have a heck of a beard just like you do and, and uh, so I relate that to say we have to manage our parts of our our field just like we have our head and um, there's no use to expect the high bushels on top of the, on the hill right yeah so the satellite imagery we classify that put it into tools that allow you to take that image and turn it into a vector-based application map to variable rate uh, inputs, crop inputs. And so um, it works pretty slick and, and we we made a business out of it and we actually make money doing it. That, that's the strange thing about it. We, <laughs> we're not invested in, we, we totally are based on uh, on application and action and uh, resubscribing to our original customers. That, that's really interesting. I was in Napa a few years ago and we toured several wineries and the, the, the uh, grape growers out there are keenly interested in variations in their fields and their fields are a lot smaller than you know vast uh, multi-hundred or thousand acre farms but they still have variation over just uh, 10 or 20 acres and they're uh, constantly looking at ways to understand what parts are not having the right moisture or, or whatever yeah we've, we've done quite a bit in the vineyards out there mostly because we use satellite imagery not uh i mean i we use a lot of aerial imagery too which we can get down to three inches if we want resolution at 20 or twelve thousand feet i think and uh but it, it's it's very expensive and, and very difficult to manage but we've managed uh we've variable rated or and analyzed a lot of people like some of the big wine growers out there. there there's there's quarter sections or even sections of grapes out there <laughs> and talk about variability in there uh we stayed out of the vineyard market most of that has gone now to drones because of the size of the fields are so small and and we're more into the commercial crop sector where we we see millions of acres and we zoom down to the fields and yeah. for corn wheat soybeans the commodity crops uh, but we, you can use exactly, we helped develop that technology and know a number of people in the vineyard space. And um, that's just a market we haven't tackled. But the interesting thing, just one more note on that, is that with, with wine or with grapes, you actually want to have the poorer soils are going to get you the higher quality vines because you're putting stress on that plant. So that hill is actually a very valuable more valuable in a vineyard than it is in a cornfield. Yeah, I know they love the really rocky, gravelly soil. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, John, what brought you and Lanny together? Oh, yeah, I sometimes try to remember that now. Um, <clears throat> Link, LinkedIn, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty active in the LinkedIn sphere, uh, at least unto myself and the almost well, 4,600 people who, for whatever reason, uh, follow along and, and participate with me when they can. 
Um, I came across that shot and I saw um, just an image. And at the time I was uh, working, uh, consulting for a, a mine up in, um, in Canada um, near Kirkland Lake. And um, I got a really close relationship with the uh, tailings engineer, um, lifetime professional designer, uh, constructor in Canada, had been through Mount Poly days and all that. And we struck up a, you know, a, a friendship, a respect, I think, for trying to make a difference. And um, his issue was uh, a new TSF facility um, with no in situ instrumentation uh, yet, um, but with some challenges. And so we had signed them up for an INSAR program uh, using TerraSARX uh, every uh, 11 day updates. And that was filling the bill, so to speak, on the uh, structure of the dam. But yeah. their, their real issue was, uh, we'll call it aerial awareness and that's a-e-r-e-a-l mm -hmm. and i came across that shot and um i saw a scene and it just like clicked like okay this is exactly what i need to see this is a farm field so i reached out to lanny that first call i think <laughs> we were probably both a little um you know perplexed at why we were on the call but i think <laughs> by the end you know we got it and and We've spent about a year, a little over a year, year and a half, tuning, sharing the opportunity with companies that we worked with or were working with, and, and not seeing anyone grasp what to us seems very apparent. Um, and Lanny stuck through it, offered his software, offered his capabilities. Um, we can look at any mine anywhere in the world. We can process. Uh, data from any mine site in the world and we're now actively doing that through the release of what we call TIRI, the uh, Tailings and Impoundment Reflectance Index. So um, it's become a friendship. Uh, my kids, we drove up to North Dakota from, from Indy, 20, I don't know, a bunch of hours, uh, filled up my, my son's uh, driver training card in one go. <laughs> so uh, they both thought that was ridiculous, but we did it in a couple of days. Um, but, you know, we've got matching personalities. We want to make a difference. And we come from parts of the business, you know, where maybe we shouldn't be, right? We're not career degree professionals in these practices, but we're, we're data aware and I think application focused. And that's our strength is, is we can feed the professionals, you know, a, a different uh, menu. Um, like I said, I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that uh, good applications come outside of our immediate Yield sometimes, and this is a really good example of that. So, what what does your technology or application do? How does it help your clients? So we're on this. Well, I would just uh, say on that, and <clears throat> is that what we see in the in these industries? And, and try to answering your question 
friend, is that uh, the availability of the data, there's kind of like a last mile problem. Uh, we have so much imagery data, we have so much data period. Uh, now space industry is becoming um, just uh, unbelievable amounts of new satellite systems. But one problem is nobody knows how to distribute it correctly and create an actionable product that allows that without spending tremendous amount of dollars to to analyze project by project basis. And that's what we saw originally when, when we got into the agriculture market is that, you know, how did you deliver? How do I as a farmer who wasn't trained in remote sensing, which I learned it through reading books, that's an amazing thing that people can read and um, allowed us to get that answer to the common person or the person in the field without a lot of trouble without contacting the satellite i contacted the satellite companies i made the deals with our company to the satellite companies to make it easier for the end user and we're seeing that is there's just not good distribution and then the distribution uh it's customized analytics and why can't you just hit a button and create the analytics and export that and put it into a mobile device and verify that in the field and that's what Satshot has been doing. We're take, we haven't invented, uh, we use NASA technology. We didn't invent remote sensing. We, we took the technology and put a methodology behind it to make the person have access to that instantly, which we started working with the major space companies like Spot, uh, RapidEye, Landsat, of course, now Sentinel, other companies. We make it, if you can't analyze your field and have an actionable product in five minutes or less, you're spending too much time. And we're seeing that in the mining industry as well. The access to this data becomes very problematic. And everybody knows that. And so the prices go white through the roof and nobody nobody gets a solution. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So there, there's a lot of uh, remote sensing and satellite images. So how is it that your particular uh, application benefits a tailings dam owner operator yeah thanks so i mean i've been uh we'll say on the record so to speak since before mount poly days about what could and sh should be done um on the technology side with the radar data either terrestrially or, or whatnot and there remains you know the opportunity through every conversation with experts and practitioners like yourself brian and all my mining colleagues over the years um just this awareness and connection to a result and i think that's what struck me with the sat shot uh format and platform is it was all directed to outputs and this is what mining folks want but vendors that I've worked with and supported and consulted for and whatnot, they almost, you know, it's not on purpose, but despite themselves, they create a lot of noise in the process of what the data is that masks the actual benefit. So mm -hmm. we, we can take uh, Landsat, Sentinel-2, any multispectral data. This is specifically to looking at uh, supernatant pond uh, acreage, if you will, or, or square uh, 
miles or kilometers or whatever, mm -hmm. right? I learned from mining experts uh, that the, not elevation, but the expanse of the supernatant pond, this is a critical factor in being able to manage a TSF. Um, but how are they doing that? They didn't really have a, a method uh, and they don't have a method today. Uh, outside of managing inputs. Uh, and what we saw in the last few years was events that we don't need to name, um, where precipitation from natural sources or um, uh, particular environments, you know, created unfortunate episodes uh, causing loss of life and, and millions and billions of loss. Now, what were we actually looking at? We were trying to look at displacement and there's been a lot of studies on that and whatnot. But I think one thing that they missed was this volume of water. And I had a real case at this site in Canada that I could use as a reference. I went there, spent a day with the guys, drove around the TSF, it's two square kilometers. It's a big one. It's a bunch of water, right? And then the key outcome of that was, you know, the engineer told me, he said, John, time and time again these guys don't get it these aren't water dams it's not hydroelectric power here there's not yeah. supposed to be water here right and this is our challenge so uh, that kind of reinforced coming back talking to Lanny we can use the near infrared and the normalized values um, it, it doesn't matter it's not a field right the, the sensor doesn't know you're a parking lot top of a Walmart, a Burger King, a wheat field, or a TSF. And what we saw time and time again, just anecdotally, if you will, looking at target after target, was the differential results of open water to the beach. And we can see very easily this dispersion of solids from open water at volume, right? to its uh, eminent place in, in being dried at the beach. And this particular site had uh, a tarp in place with very strict regimen of distance of beach to the supernatant pond. But we were eclipsing that often. Um, so now we made a, a process of identifying this so that the staff there had a visual tool uh, from above cloudy or not cloudy, uh, passive sensor uh, using Sentinel or other multispectral when it's cloud-free. And we can actually take SAR uh, amplitude values um, from TerraSAR, Sentinel-1, or what have you, that the mine already might have. So really, we're taking resources that they might already be using and just uh, putting a, a new jacket, maybe a tie on it, right? Where in one view, we can track through a time series and through visualization exportable in raster or vector format importable into any mine software here's my pawn this five days on this 10 days 15 days 20 days and the area values of that we can create a time series now i have a numeric opportunity to track this and share this information with my insar data with my pizos uh, shape array, uh, thumb in the air, whatever you're using, you know, now you have a visual guide and it's only in the last couple of weeks that we really have released this, so to speak. 
Um, but it's a tool that anyone can engage with, either through a subscription uh, with, with AAM and Satshock or an account that we would set up. Um, the volume and scale that we can work at uh, for a Newmont or Nevada Gold Mines or a Barrick is global. And Lanny's system makes it automatic, right? Once we have the AOI and you tune the um, color map, if you will, to match uh, the site wishes or the different number of differentiations, you could have on water, no water, or you can have water and 32 values <laughs> to the beach. You know, whatever works, once that's set up, um, when the data comes in to Satshot, right, within minutes, you know, uh, or less, you get an email saying you have a new image. And uh, as a program, if you like, uh, a PDF file with a record of that. And we've started um, sharing those through my LinkedIn profile. And they'll also be available as some samples on um, www.aamonitoring.net. But really, we want it as a tool for someone like yourself, Brian, to ask questions like, at this site, what does it look like? We can go back, like I say, in Landsat, 30 years mm. um, uh, if necessary, but we can recreate events. Um, yesterday, we shared a view from the Kingston Colas uh, incident in 2008. Um, you know, you can look at just the superficial evidence of ponding at that site in the Landsat data, which nobody was thinking about maybe until yesterday. Uh, right or tomorrow like what does that look like well damn it you know it looks like something and you know what on this day this thing happened well what if we then took that equation and and very simply just this surficial area coverage of the supernatant pond or uh, rainfall extra precipitation you know we've seen the climates are being modified, changed, whatever your language preference is. Um, now we have a tool that can track this very affordably, globally scalable, and integrates uh, with other data um, from in-situ instruments or other satellite data. So that's what we've got at hand, and we encourage people to to check that out and call us and email us and ask us, what does it look like at my site? And uh, through experts, consultants like yourself, uh, this can be a tool to tune for that specific site because the reflectance properties uh, are different for copper tailings, uh, gold outputs, what that mix is, how much ammonia, whatever is coming out. Uh, all that data is available. We just want to see the table, if you will, to have everybody cook up, you know, the right recipe and then turn it on. And then after that, however long you want to, or often you want to see it, you know, you've got evidence to track this. Yeah, that, that's great. Uh, it, it makes me think of a couple of things. One, I worked in South Africa about 20 years ago, and I, I was in charge of a very large tailings dam there. And we'd go out quarterly and semi-annually and annually and we'd stand on the crest of the dam and say how far away do you think the pond is you know this is 20 years ago that yeah there was aerial survey uh, which you couldn't really afford to do very often 
but of course, everybody's guest is just, I think you said, uh, you know, put your thumb in the wind and, and take a while to guess. But that same mine operator um, was aware that in the forensic investigation of the Mary Spray tailings failure in 1994, yeah. the people studying that used satellite images to find out what was happening. And one of the things that they noticed was the pond was encroaching on an embankment. And, and so if the, the, this company said, hey, if they used it against the mining company, we better start using it for us so that we can see what's going on. So an application like this would really help them. You know, as yeah. operators, they can say, hey, let, let's push the pond away. It's getting too close over here. It's 300 meters over here. It's plenty of room here. Need more room over there. That kind of thing. Uh, this is this is the real key. Is it's intended to be supportive. Yeah. Our our ESG considerations are uh, elevation of tailings to a to a real department, if you will, um, which we hear at SME at um, uh, ICOLD, at uh, CBA, um, at all the major events. Um, you know, the TIRI is, is your friend, right? It's an ally from whichever perspective, if you're environment, if you're ESG, if you're a stakeholder, you know, if you're the Church of England, uh, we see the efforts that are being put into trying to get a handle on four or 5,000 uh, TSFs globally, um, very difficult, uh, even companies that do participate uh, that definitive displacement data and all that, that's one thing, but this is a readily accessible, very visual and confidence building tool uh, that we definitely want in the hands of uh, the mining folks, you know, who's yeah. best interested in these. Yeah, so I, I know that. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Lenny. Oh, I, the interesting thing about that, what John said about the different mines, you know, in our system, we built it over the years for agriculture to run uh, hundreds of thousands of boundaries in our system of fields. And we made it to scale it so that everybody gets notified on that and sees the change detection of how the vegetation grows in the field. And that can be altered by, by environmental factors, rainfall, weather events, uh, ma uh, management decisions by users, uh, by the farmers themselves. So what we're, take, what we're looking at is really difference maps of how the, the sensors from the satellite through the near infrared wavelengths are predominantly and visible. And the SAR, what we've done on that, is to see how is changing going on and putting that into the hands of the a local expert. So in agriculture, the local expert is the farmer. So whenever I would show an image to a farmer, and though he has a crop consultant to help him manage the, that farm, I would ask the farmer, tell me what's going on in that field these are the colors of the classification these are your different levels of vegetation tell me that and he would repeatedly or she would go on and just tell everything what's going on and then i would tell the crop consultant look you have 90 percent of your answers are from the farmer right there now you charge 100 percent for the solution because that crop that's called you bring all those together but we're looking at the same kind of way in mining. 
Our technology is here to bring it in masses. We can do thousands of mine sites around the world automatically by clicking a few buttons and notifying that. Now, getting that data to the hands of that local expert, that engineer that is managing that tailings uh, uh, mine issue, that is, we, we don't need to go in and say what's going on, what's wrong. That's the wrong thing for remote sensors, earth observation people to say what is wrong. We're here to say this is what we are seeing. Now put it in the hands of the local expert to define the problem and what to do about it. But at least we give you a reference of accurate interpretation of the change detection within that field. You look up your iPhone and you say, wow, I can see it right there. I can track it right to that spot. I can manage it with my iPad. I can go back to our website. I, I can take a picture of it and reference that with my phone or iPad. And then that's in our system. And so the person back at the office can see all that in play. And now when you're coming, you have a reference now to explain what happened. So it, it, even if a fault happens where in, in the tailings area and you are getting going to get fined for that, if you do nothing, the fine is going to be huge. If you did something and was actionable that I was monitoring it, we could not affect it any, but we were monitoring. We were taking good action. And here's the reports to show the issues. You will have a less of a fine. Hopefully you have no fines, right? and that you're able to manage it ahead of time. But it's access to information, and right now, Earth Observation Companies, is it's taken a tremendous amount of time to get that data and put it in place. We're here to do that, give you reference tools to help you make that decision, and get on with life. But make sure we keep on monitoring it every time a satellite comes over your site. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I know it's really early days for your work on the mine sites with this technology, but do you maybe have a success story that you could share, or maybe your clients don't even share those stories with you? Uh, well, it is it is early, but I think um, yeah, in in Canada we we use the concept uh, and and the prototype views, if you will. Uh, over the last year to um, educate the, the mind management of the level of awareness that they could have or should have. They were seeing results of spigots turned on or not turned off. Um, a mine is there to mine, right? Uh, if it's underground, uh, every minute you can produce, especially in this marketplace, uh, that's that's significant. and. You know the uh, the TIRI and our other applied sciences, if you will. Our goal is to make sure that you can mine all the time, forever, right? You can be aware of uh, issues before they come up. So I think in the site in Canada, we have awareness of irregularities uh, which have limits imposed by uh, a tarp, and this is ideal. It's a component of a decision-making process. And that's where we want to be. We're still early um, elsewhere. I just got off a call um, before this with a consultant like yourself, Brian, in, uh, in Russia and uh, Norlisk uh, and Poly US um, gold and, and nickel operations. They're very keen on the concept of, of what we're talking about. And, and so we hope for 
success in the coming year there. But I think it's um, accessible, it's approachable. Uh, we're sharing with uh, Nevada Gold Mines, uh, with Ken Ross, uh, whomever will, will take an email or a call or see for themselves. And that's what we really encourage. Send an AOI, we'll show you, we'll let the data talk, which is really uh, why we need to shut up now. <laughs> And uh, and get to work. That the data is impressively invaluable. And uh, from Sentinel open source, right? This is super low cost. Uh, we're talking pennies at mine scale. Or if you need to, we can use uh, Spot or other higher resolution uh, multispectral sensors. But in most cases, it's not necessary, right? We're, we're not going out and rowing across the. The, the TSF, you know, to look for millimeter change, but uh, at a corporate level that we can identify that our asset is uh, within risk and that's where we want to keep it. That's the practice that we, you know, hope to form it going forward. Yeah, I think just, just, just a comment on that, Brian. I think the resolutions of the different satellite sources, there's all different value points for everyone. But what people don't realize is that with, with more of a medium resolution from something like Sentinel that's available worldwide, we can see the initial issues. And then it gave, depending on the, the mind that wants more detail, then we go to the high resolution. But you don't start there. And then whatever their budgets allow, whatever their risk level that is assessed, then we define, well, high, how high quality data do you need to interpret this at a higher level of accuracy? But you can see a tremendous amount off of resolutions in the 10 meter range like that and how you process it. So it's a stepping stone process to, to figure out how do you, how you want to handle your risk? It's with agriculture. We all have risk issues. Where do we where do we draw the line on our risk level? How much money do we have access to? How are we going to make sure that that risk of that those assets do not get into jeopardy? And then we start the process. Yeah, you know, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about the cost of tailings management, and I said to him that you should spend just the right amount of money for tailings management and not a penny more. Uh, no, nobody wants to overspend on their tailings, but I think your product is one of the things that is right for somebody to direct their money with. And I, I looked at your website and it's actually really affordable. The, the well, kind of yeah, and we're flexible because, you know, uh, I'm 60, uh, Lanny's a couple of days older, um, you know, I've been working in, in mines since 2006. Uh, we want to make a difference for the future and we'd rather have every mine in the world, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, than four and, and you know, taking a chill uh, because it's that tailings uh, asset is really the denominator of operation at the site. If you can't dispose of your waste, or manage it or control it, you don't mind. And, and we've seen the dollar uh, losses, you know, with, with the situation in Brazil. I mean, yeah. numbers, you know, four billion. We yeah. can we can set this up for every mine in the world for far, far, far less right. than that. And and 
for some people, uh, they, they perceive value by expense, except as you say, they want to limit that expense. Well, I really put that to the challenge, you know, share with us your asset limits. We'll share your data with yourself and you will determine how much you want to, we'll say, invest in the process of which we can manage or we can show you how to manage. Um, it's it, it goes both ways. But that's yeah. how it yeah, that's, that's terrific. You know, guys, I think we've covered um, everything I wanted to talk about today. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to share with us that I haven't asked you about? Well, I, I thank you for that. And like we usually have a safety share. This is a thought share, which I think is a really great aspect of all of your um, podcast, Brian. I, as I mentioned, I was talking with a, a colleague in, in, in Russia uh, we've been yeah. talking on and off for about a year and a half and and I reached out to him on LinkedIn uh, a few weeks ago and you know for half the call well say 10 minutes you know he thanked me for calling him <laughs> for having a video conference right yeah he was yeah. so happy to have a professional exchange plus one that could be very meaningful but uh, with all the issues, developments, uh, struggles that people are having, you know, um, the opportunity to share with another uh, colleague, human, if you will, uh, as we are, but professional colleague and talk about what's possible to make our work better. Um, I was, you know, really humbled by, by his share on that. Yeah, that, that's great. That's, that's really, really nice. Lenny, uh, we're we're uh, running out of time, but do you have any key takeaways or pearls of wisdom you could leave us with? Oh, maybe one. I, I think uh, what we've known in this industry in ag, and I'm seeing it in mining too, is we tend to, as a human being, want to complicate things to an nth level, largely because we don't trust ourselves. Mm. And um, with the advent of the data that we've been approaching from, you know, having to, it, it's so automatic these days. What we built our company was creating a complex piece of software over the years that has scaled, but at the same time, making it as simple as possible to put that button in uh, simply takes 10 times more work than just putting the button in. And so we built it under that philosophy. We were able to scale it. We were able to let the common person uh, use our system and use their knowledge. So my advice is keep it simple. And I think uh, we tend to, uh, and I know in the industry, we tend to want to complicate it to a level to maybe support the value point that we provide. And I, I'm kind of all for that as well. I'm in a unique situation where we built a very sophisticated software system that's got complete complexities inside it, but it's hidden. It's like how we use a computer. I don't know how to build a computer, but it's simple. And so we're, I, I, I want to stress to everybody in this to keep it simple. Observations through a, sim, a system that gives you the data those simple observations can tell you tremendous amount of what's going on in there if you understand the local environment. And so, uh, if anything, you know, keep this simple. This isn't this isn't rocket science, I guess. But I guess we do use rockets to get our data, our tools <laughs> up there. So, yep, yep. 
but anyway, uh, yeah, keep it simple. I think there's a lot of simple ways to move on and get right answers for the industry. Yeah, that, that's really good advice. And uh, if somebody wants to get in contact with you or if they want to find out more information about your company, is it all at aamonitoring.net? Yeah, we're at uh, www.aamonitoring.net or 317-516-9255. And I'll take it 24 hours a day. Um, also tried to instill that over the many years and it's paid off uh, with colleagues. So mining's 24-7, we're 24-7. When you need us, we'll be there. Yeah, I love it. But, Same but, with us too. If you want to go on our end, satshot, S-A-T-S-H-O-T.com. And there's a contact us button there. You can get a hold of us and just mention that we're dealing with mines. And then we we work together as as John and I, and uh, we handle those. And uh, then we both get involved with each other's stuff. So. Yeah, terrific. And always love it when I find a, a person or two that wants to make tailings management better and is actually doing something about it. Um, and you know, one of the reasons that I have this podcast is to make myself a little bit smarter. And you guys have helped uh, me to get a little bit smarter today. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure about that, but I appreciate it. And you know, uh, really, we're any any question, any site, uh, any issue. We'll start at A, B, C, and if all we need to do is get to D, you know, we leave it then in your hands as an SME. And a consultant and we move on to the next and, and that's that's what we want to do perfect well john and lenny really appreciate your time today i know you're both uh, very busy individuals so i don't want to take up any more of your day but you know thanks for coming on and sharing your your information with us and look forward to seeing this getting uh, used worldwide yeah thanks yeah, again thanks very much uh, get our stuff out and we appreciate it very much Thanks again, and uh, all the best. Yeah, take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rocking.